Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So today I've got a nice uh, special guest with me, a guy by the name of Josh Matthews. Josh, thanks for so much for coming on. I appreciate you, my man. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So uh, Josh actually uh, reached out to me. Actually, uh, Nick Raponi, one of the guys you know from this podcast, actually just uh, put out a word to have some uh, some new guests, you know, some fresh faces, new voices onto the pod, get some new opinions. And Josh was nice enough to uh, join me in doing that. So uh, much appreciated, uh, Josh. Um, so for uh, most people who probably, you know, don't know who you are, or don't know your work, uh, why don't you uh, give me a little introduction about uh, your, uh, your way around the block, uh, in terms of basketball and what you write about and all that good stuff. Uh, take it away, my friend. All right, cool. So my name is Joshua Matthews. I'm a writer for Gamecocks Athletics on the page Garnet and Cocky, which is through Fansided. I'm also a writer for Show Snob, where I cover various TV shows. And as of today, I'm also a co-expert, which is practically an editor, of the Swarm and Sting for the Charlotte Hornets. So now nice. I'll be covering the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, just as a little bit of background, I've been covering basketball and being been like an analyst for – six seven months now uh for you for those canadians columbia's in south carolina which is the best state in america just 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 to give you guys a little background you know because i know i don't know if you guys know the geography i know i don't know the geography of canada <laughs> yeah well uh, geography was never my strong suit so i don't i don't think anyone's gonna blame you there but uh yeah that's that's super dope man so like how did you like get into covering uh like the nba like what, what was your end did you like go to like local college games local high school games aau like what was your kind of into covering covering hoops well my first kind of exposure to the game was it was i was in like i don't know 10th 11th grade or whatever and like it's during the summer and i just like at the time, my parents were pretty strict. They were like, you got to go to bed this time. And my dad comes to my room. He's like, hey, man, it's bedtime. I'm like, dad, you, no, I'm watching the – and I, like, turn on the TV, and it happened to be the uh, game seven between the Cavs and the Warriors. Like, no crap. Oh, okay. It was that, that iconic game. And I was like, dad, I'm watching the game. He's like, you don't care. I was like, yes, I do. He's like, give me your phone, and you can watch the game, and, I'll give, and then you'll go to bed. And I was like, fine, whatever. And I fell in love with the game of basketball. Uh, and so that's how I got introduced to the basketball itself. Uh, from there, uh, whenever I got to college, I'm a journalism major. So I found a couple Gamecocks athletics pages to write for, a couple college football ones to write for. Uh, and I was kind of like the lead analyst for the Spurs Up show, which is a great podcast about Gamecocks athletics uh, covering the basketball team. I wrote really cool articles about like, you know, what players deserve what awards on the team? Like who's the sixth man of the Gamecocks? Who's the, who's the defensive player of the year? Stuff like that. I've also been able to like go and cover the games there. Uh, and I got to see awesome upsets, like when South Carolina upset, upset in Kentucky, when we upset Virginia, I got to write awesome articles about that. And I was really excited to cover our March Madness uh, run or our hopes in the March Madness. But, you know, that got cut a little short because of Corona. For sure, man, definitely. And like, that's kind of been like a running theme around the world. Like it's affected basketball so much, like, not just like on the NBA level where most people kind of watch where, you know, oh, I can't go to games, but like, and I had a uh, Beano memory out there from uh, Portland, Oregon telling me like, this is, this is like affecting like high school, AAU college. Like this is like, tri this is a trickle down effect where everybody's oh, yeah. getting affected by this. And like, it's, it's kind of been crazy. So like, how, how has it affected you specifically? Like, have you, I, I'm guessing you've had to take uh, some time off from, from covering this sort of stuff. Am I right? Well, for a good, three or four months there's really no news on college athletics there's no news on the nba for a while and so i really had nothing to write and nobody to write for and so i kind of found myself writing for another outlet just covering entertainment movies tv shows uh called the culture nerd and that's kind of what i poured most of my time into during corona uh but no i completely like whenever it affected basketball in a major way like i couldn't it affected me and my friends playing pickup games. It affected, you know, playing in the gyms here at South Carolina, at the university. We still can't play basketball on campus. It's affected uh, me writing any articles about college basketball. It's, I mean, it's affected so much of basketball. But basketball has also been a big, uh, a big medication in this time, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, kudos to, you know, pickup games specifically. Like, luckily in Canada, we've kind of handled it a little bit better than you guys have in the U S now there's some population 
you know, stuff that might actually be yeah. Yeah, some factors there, you know, 10 times the population. I get that. But uh, luckily here in Canada, I'm back to playing pickup games like pretty regularly outside, which is, uh, which is good. Like no access to LA fitness or any indoor gyms, but just like outdoor hoops are, uh, you know, not blockaded off. Like I, I've seen like some clips of like these like rectangular, like, like bolts that are just like right over top of the rims. I'm like, man, like it's yeah. crazy over there. Like that's nuts. So we've been lucky enough here to handle it pretty well to, to the point where we're getting somewhat, you know, back to normal, uh, which is, which is good for at least, you know, being able to play and stuff like that. And, and I guess that kind of leads into the fact that the NBA is back too, which is pretty, pretty freaking fantastic. Well, I mean, what's your been, uh, been your opinion on, uh, on bubble basketball, we'll call it. What have you, uh, what have you noticed? What have you liked? What have you disliked? Uh, give me your thoughts there. Well, I personally love bubble basketball. Me it's, too. It's, me it, too. I think it's a, obviously it's not the same as, you know, playing in the garden, playing in, in TD garden in Boston. Obviously it's not the same as playing in your home, in your home city, in your, in your hometown, in your home court. It's not the same. And I understand that it's so different. Uh, and it is different for fans still, dare I say, because some of the most, some of the best moments is like seeing somebody hit a, a clutch shot and seeing the crowd go absolutely nuts or being a part of that crowd. Sure. And, but I think the way bubble basketball has been set up has been absolutely phenomenal. Like, I think it's been executed really well. They haven't had any cases, not that I know of. And I think the other sports really need to take notice uh, and kind of do something. Now, obviously, with, like, other sports like baseball, which have a lot of players and a lot of reserve players, it's a lot different. And there's a lot of traveling. Uh, it's a lot different. And, and I know hockey is doing okay with it so far. But bubble basketball, I think, kind of led the charge and just kind of, like, mm -hmm. sports – post-corona at least until this whole pandemic is over uh it's kind of led the charge yeah I totally agree and you know it's been it's been a little interesting to see you know the difference between that and regular basketball like I think like one of the you know one of the things I thought about is you know the series is over now but that game three shot by OG Ananobi with 0.5 seconds left like I can only imagine like and and that game obviously would have been in Boston because uh, that would have been on the road like even like and like people always like jump to the conclusion of like all oh, the fans would like you know go wild for a game winner at home games like I kind of miss like the deafening silence of like a road oh, yeah. game killer shot you know what I mean like even that kind of like I oh, just kind of sure. miss you know what I mean and like, especially so, especially in Boston where it's like that's, right that's one of the best like crowds that's one of the best stadiums it's one of the best fan bases in America that's one of the strongest cities uh sports wise in America like you got you got Boston, you got Los Angeles, and then there's everybody else, you know, like those, that's one of the big dynasties of sports like that. I don't know how that city would have taken that OG Ananobi shot right there at the end to, t to, to win the game. Like I, I'm a Celtics fan personally. And I was like, damn, like I was really hoping for a closeout, man. And, and I tell you what, the Raptors, and I know you're from Canada, so I'm sure you, I'm sure you root for the Raptors, but they really held on tight. You can kind of see the Kawhi Leonard. Oh, I know yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. The, the Kawhi Leonard uh, championship there in the corner. I know my room's kind of dark, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's as much proof as you're going to get on camera right now. But yeah, well, you can take heart in winning that, uh, winning a, a bloodbath of a series. I'll give you that at least because uh, that was a fantastic series, even as a Raptor fan. Like hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, that was the most Celtics. entertaining series I think I've seen so far. You know? Yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was probably my favorite series of the bubble. Uh, kudos to the Celtics, man. They're they're a fantastic team. And uh, let's, I guess that's a good transition. Let's let's talk a little Celtics Heat here and kind of what we can expect in this next round. I think they play game one tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, I, actually, I actually think game one's tonight, right? Uh, let, me do, let me double check that. Well, while, while I'm checking it, give me your, give me your uh, initial thoughts on this series. Like what's, what kind of stands out to you? What are you, what are you, what are you thinking about when you think Celtics wow. heat in this conference finals? Well, I think this is going to be a battle of the benches. And okay, the game, both is, these, the game both is tomorrow, these, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Tomorrow. Okay. No, that's fine. I'm, that actually makes me happy because then I get to make sure I can catch it tomorrow. There you go. But th this is going to be a battle of the benches. Like, I, I, I fully expect the benches to absolutely go off. Both of these teams have really good starting lineups. Uh, but but what, really, what really has set them apart uh, that I've kind of analyzed is kind of like their benches, their depths. And, like, both of them have really good teams – on the bench of the sixth, seventh, eighth man, and both of them have really good players. And before the Bucks got knocked out of the playoffs, I would have said, you know, the Celtics would win because they're depth, the Heat would win because they're depth, whatever. But now you have two teams with a lot of depth going at depth going at each other. I mean, you have the Heat who has Crowder, a decent Olenek, uh, Robinson who comes off the bench sometimes. Like you have a lot of really good ball players on the Heat, and then also for the Celtics, 
you have Marcus Smart, you have Robert Williams, who's really talented, who I think could be a really good defensive player of the year one day. And then you have so many other just great players on both sides. You have Ennis Cantor playing off the bench, and he's a he should be starting. But like you know, what I'm saying like those are really those are two really talented benches. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think Miami probably has the edge on that bench over uh, over sorry over Boston. And you know, you say battle the benches. Um, I actually think that this series from a bench perspective is going to be close to one sided. I think I think Miami personally should win the the minutes in which Boston goes to their bench. Uh, I mean, you know, you you got guys. You know, your your starting lineup looks you know something like this, which is. Uh, you know, on a regular basis, which is uh, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo. That's usually the starting five that they're going to have. But, you know, uh, Spolstra is also going to go to guys like, you know, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, um, obviously Andre Iguodala. Chris, Chris Silva's a really talented player. Yeah, Chris Silva, who hasn't seen any minutes, but yeah, he is a talented player. I agree. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., Kelly Olynyk. So, you know, they, they can go, you know, even maybe Solomon Hill might get a look. Like any of those, like, five guys off the bench like are real crucial and Spolstra trusts any one of them, you know, in any given matchup. And I think oh, that, that I, I completely agree. And my, my main takeaway from this is like, I, I was reading earlier that Gordon Hayward is recovering and he's not coming back tonight, but they're expecting him sometime in the series. Right. He should be if, back. If, if, if he was coming back to not tomorrow, uh, game one, if he was coming back game one, I would expect this to be a much closer bench battle. But without him in the starting lineup, that then you have to move Marcus Smart to the starting lineup, and then your bench is really – like Brad Wanamaker is a decent player. He came from Europe. He did pretty good over there. you got Ennis Cantor who's really talented and should be a starting center somewhere if he just decides not to come back to Boston. Uh, you have Robert Williams, who I think is really talented, but that's kind of the extent of your bench for Boston. And that's why I think the, the loss of Gordon Hayward in this series is really um, – is really challenging for this for this team. Yeah, absolutely. If you include Gordon Hayward back into that, you know, starting lineup, and then you go with, you know, Kemba, the three wings, Brown, Tatum, and Hayward, uh, and then you include uh, Daniel Tice at center, now you're looking at a, a bit of a better bench, you know, where you can go yeah. maybe even like, um, you can even go smart Wanamaker minutes together. Uh, you know, Semi Ojale, good defensive look there. Grant Williams has shown some things, especially hitting corner threes. You know, Robert oh, Williams yeah. does give them something as well. You know, and Ennis Cantor, as much as I do like, you know, his offensive game, and he definitely does have a place in the regular season, I think he's a little bit too flammable defensively, especially in this series with all the handoff actions that Miami runs. I think that's going to be a, a very tough for him to stay on the floor in consistent minutes. I don't foresee Brad Stevens going to him. Uh, maybe if Miami chooses to go uh, to those zone looks and, you know, kind of shut off the uh, the Boston, you know, Kemba Walker pick and rolls, maybe you start throwing it into can throwing it into cancer a little bit, especially if you can find a way to get him off of Bam out of bio in the post and maybe sneak some minutes in for him there. So I can definitely see that being a role for him, but overall I probably don't see him playing just because he's too flammable defensively. And we saw that yeah. in the Raptors series in game three specifically where he came out for, you know, four or five minutes and the Raptors just ran Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry pick and rolls at him all day. And that was actually the difference in that game three um, in my opinion as well. Uh, I kind of want to jump to who's going to guard who in this series because I think that that's going to be interesting, at least from a starting perspective. So from for Miami's, actually, let's start with with the Boston defense because it seems like you uh, you're a Boston fan. I didn't know that coming on, so this is that's that's good to know on the fly here. So Boston's defense, this is how I see it playing out. I see Kemba Walker guarding Jay Crowder. Uh, I see Jalen Brown guarding Duncan Robinson. I see Tatum guarding Jimmy Butler. I see Smart guarding Drogic. And I see Tice guarding Bam. And, you know, originally you would say, okay, well, why isn't uh, Kemba guarding Drogic? Well, that, you know, that, that pick and roll with Kemba, having him run around screens, and especially if they get him switched on, to bam out of bio that could be very flammable in my opinion yeah, defensively sure. where if you have if you have smart uh guarding Dragic and they run that uh they run that Dragic bam pick and roll well you can just you can basically just switch that and have smart onto bam because i yeah. trust marcus smart to guard especially in the post just about anybody in the yeah, nba sure. there's a reason he's a first team all defensive guard so i think that that makes sense you're 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 in essence kind of hiding kemba walker on jay crowder in some instances where if you jay crowder wants to go at kemba offensively i think that's a win for the boston celtics that's not necessarily the offense yeah. you want to go to if you're the miami heat and, and my thing is since really jay crowder's left the celtics three four years seasons ago he really hasn't been the same player like he's not like he's don't get me wrong he is a talented player he's good and I love him you know what I'm saying I he was the he was one of the first players I started to I started to follow but at the same time like if he attacks Kimba Walker it's not gonna hurt right like he's he doesn't have the efficiency as other 
really good small forwards or other players in his position that you could switch Kimball Walker on to. And, like, yeah. Walker's switch on to that would be good because it's like – and on transition defense, Crowder might get stuck on Walker. You know what I'm saying? On a, right. on a, on a beautiful transition. I mean, Crowder's not going to be able to guard Walker. Maybe in the paint, but Crowder's not going to be able to guard him in the mid-range or the, or the three with any kind of pick and rolls or any kind right. of flashy crossovers and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree. And just, and just, you know, staying on, uh, staying on that side, I mean, you know, J- uh, Jimmy Butler uh, on Jason Tatum, I think it's going to be uh, good to have some length on Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to uh, switch Jason Tatum and, uh, and Jalen Brown's assignment for Robinson and Butler, I'm yeah. not really, I'm not really too mad at that. Um, I just think uh, Brown might be just a little bit quicker of feet, a little bit, um, a little bit better to just get around uh, some screens against Duncan Robinson. We know the Miami heat really, uh, first of all, the Miami heat execute extremely well in the half court. And that's something, oh, that, sure. and that, that's something that you, we didn't really see with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the Toronto Raptors basically relied so much on their ability to get out in transition to keep their offense afloat. And that's not the case here with Miami. Miami really knows how to execute in the half court. They run those elbow action series with Bam Adebayo. They're a fantastic, great cutting team. I'm pretty sure Brad Stevens even said that uh, in terms of their cutting and spacing and shooting, that they're the closest thing to the Golden State Warriors that he's, that they've gone up against, which is, you know, quite a statement. Um, even, and I mean, uh, I, I love watching this team because they're, they're this team that, yeah, you expect them to make the playoffs, but nobody expects them to go this far. You know right, what I'm saying? Absolutely. And they're this, yeah. they're they're full of underdogs. Jimmy Butler is an absolute beast. Jimmy Butler, I think he's probably the most tenacious player in the NBA. I know there's a lot of talk about you know Patrick Beverly, and and Marcus Morris and and Stephen Adams are some of the toughest players and some of the most tenacious. PJ, but Tucker. honestly, Jim, yeah, PJ Tucker. I th- I just think Jimmy Butler has to take that though. Like he he has he's completely dog, willed this team into this Eastern Conference Finals play. He's absolutely great. And I think Brown could probably go – Brown will probably do better guarding him than Tatum, but putting that length on him might uh, make him a little uncomfortable, especially early in the series. Um, but, yeah, no, he's a, he's a dog, and it's going to be really tough um, to guard this team because they do look a lot like the Warriors from two, three years ago. And that's, and that's quite an accomplishment. And I think that's a good thing because it's like – you didn't expect to see it in this team of, of right. nobodies. You know, you have Kendrick Nunn who comes out of nowhere and is really good. You have uh, Duncan Robinson who comes out of nowhere and can hit threes from anywhere on the court. You have Tyler Hero who's a sensational rookie. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I don't think a lot of people expected it, and that's why I do love this this Miami Heat team. And don't get me wrong, like, I'm hoping the Celtics win. I think the Celtics are going to cut it real close with a game seven win, game six win. But this team, this team has really, really accomplished a lot of good stuff this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of what Miami has done. Uh, Eric Spolstra and Brad Stevens, both fantastic coaches. I'm sure we're going to see a ton of, uh, you know, minute changes and, you know, details and uh, a lot of adjustments as the series go on. I don't see this series going any less than six. Uh, this is, this is going to be a bloodbath for sure. Um, in terms of, um, let's talk about, uh, you know, Miami's defense, and then we'll get into, you know, kind of uh, overall takes of both of them. So for Miami, here's how I see things. I see uh, Jimmy Butler guarding Kimball Walker. I see Goran Dragic guarding Marcus Smart. I see Duncan Robinson guarding Jalen Brown. I see Jay Crowder guarding Jason Tatum, and I see Bam guarding Tice. Now I, I can... think I think with that lineup specifically, you're gonna have to give you're gonna have to feed the ball to Smart, and you're gonna have to feed the ball to Brown. Because even though, and don't get me wrong, neither one of those guys are matchup hunting. Defense. You're saying right? Yeah, match. They're gonna have to because. With Kim, with Jimmy Butler guarding Kimball Walker, Jimmy but I mean Kimball Walker is still a great point guard. He's he's an all star, but at the same time, it's going to be really it's going to be harder for him to score on Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler's a great defensive player. So they're going to have to they're going to have to target these specific matchups. Duncan Robinson isn't great defensively, and uh, him kind of on Jalen Brown would do good because Jalen Brown. I I'm thinking Jalen Brown's a little quicker from what I remember seeing. Oh yeah, and for sure. Also, it's it's, it's um, definitely a mismatch. You're gonna you're gonna have to hide him at some point. But if you have to if you have to pick between Drogic and Robinson as to who guards Jalen Brown, I'm picking uh, uh, Robinson just because of his size. Just because yeah. he's you know yeah, and Drogic a little slow of foot at age 35 to guard a young athletic Jalen Brown. So I mean it's 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 not an ideal matchup by any means. No, for um, sure. And and uh, that basically leads into this as well. I think Miami. You're gonna see a lot of zone for Miami. Uh, you know, against against Toronto, you saw the Boston Celtics struggle to score against a zone. Now, are you going to see box and ones, triangle and twos, and all that crazy stuff? Probably not. I'm going to guess, um, and that did make up a uh, a significant amount of the zone 
that Boston saw against Toronto and credit to, you know, Nick Nurse for being able to throw all this, all this stuff out there because he is a fantastic coach. Um, but that's, uh, that's not to downplay a guy like Eric Spolster either. He understands, you know, one, two, two zones, two, three matchup zones. He's going to be, he's going to go to a lot of that to try and shut down that Kemba Walker pick and roll. And that's going to, that's going to, you know, go for, that's going to basically turn into a lot of isolations. Uh, a lot of matchup hunting is what I expect, you know, from the Boston Celtics. They didn't do a lot of it against uh, the Raptors and, you know, they really couldn't because there's not really a Toronto Raptor that is like a bad defensive player. Like they're all good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, so I mean, that, you have, you have veteran Ibaka, you have Siakam, you have Lowry, you have Slan Fleet. That whole team was loaded defensively. Right. And it's so not that no the team, attack. team it's not that this Heat team has less pieces defensively, but I, I, I'm going to say they're a little weaker defensively than Toronto is. Uh, yeah, I would agree. And I think, and I think you're looking at Goran Dragic and Duncan Robinson as those places that you're going to want to attack if you're, um, uh, if you're the Boston Celtics. And that means, you know, you're going to have, you know, a lot of these guard, guard pick and rolls, like these, this Kemba Brown pick and roll, like get me switched on to Robinson, get me switched on to Dragic. Like, let me go yeah. at him if you're Kemba Walker. Like he, he faced a lot of that box and one stuff against Toronto, but we saw like, he was a massive like impact. He had a massive impact on the floor. Uh, like you could, like the, the on off numbers that like with him on the floor were just like astronomical. It was insane. There was no, yeah. there was no wonder that Nick nurse wanted to take him out of the game and not a guy like Jason Tatum and not to say Tatum is bad, but it just speaks to the way that Kemba Walker sets up an offense, sets up the Boston Celtics, you know, drive and kick game. Like I can definitely see a lot of like, you know, running, you know, the, the Kemba Tice pick and roll, and, uh, you know, you, you swing to the corner, Jalen Brown attacks the closeout, and then he throws it to Smart, he attacks the closeout, and you get that driving kick kind of machine moving, yeah. and that, that generates a lot of, you know, Boston, the, those Boston Celtics threes. And, um, and my kind of uh, idea is that, like you said, Crowder would probably end up guarding Tatum, and my thing is, if I'm Miami, I probably wouldn't have Crowder guarding Tatum. I'd probably have Abadai, um, Bam guarding Tatum. Just because I think Bam is quick, I think I think Bam is quick. He's tall. He's 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 lean. And at the same time, if you have Crowder on uh, Daniel Tice, like he's don't get me wrong, he's good, but he's not as aggressive on offense as he could be. And like there's going to be height difference, but at the same time, if Jay Crowder could keep him on any of the parameters, uh, anything outside of really the short mid range, Jay Crowder's going to be able to lock him down on night. And then you're going to have a much better you're going to have a much better. Uh, play with Bam lining up on Jason Tatum just because Jason Tatum is going to be he's I'm expecting him to be one of the go-tos because as you said Jimmy Butler is going to be guarding probably Kimball Walker if not Jalen Brown if not Jason Tatum and so whichever person that they kind of free up of those three people I expect to really attack um, but I don't know I was just thinking that Bam probably should be the one and that they'll probably do what you said don't get me wrong but I think that Bam should be the one that guards Jason Tatum because I think he's a little better defensively than Crowder. Yeah, and I and I think you could see some of that stuff too, like a brand, a Bam guarding Jason Tatum, and then uh, the way that they um, the way that they're going to work that is basically just run. Um, uh, the way Miami will defend that is basically if you run a, a Kemba Tatum pick and roll, well they can just switch that, and Bam can stay in probably in front of Kemba Walker or Jason Tatum either way, and then Butler uh, the same thing can stay in front of Kemba or Tatum. So yeah, that's honestly that that's not out of the question. I uh, I think I think you could definitely see that in the series. Um, I think just to start, you know, it's, you just, you just want to feel it out, you know, big for big uh, let's, you know, let's not, let's just try to hide the guards on, on both sides, right? Like uh, Miami high is kind of hiding Drogic and uh, the Celtics are kind of hiding Kemba Walker. Uh, but uh, yeah, I agree. I, th I think that that definitely could end up being uh, something that they go to 100%. Um, the other thing is the Miami, he get up a lot of three pointers, a lot of three pointers. Uh, they a run a lot. Of, even even off the bench, they get up a lot. Because if you think and by percentage, they're, they're players, one of the best in the league as well. For sure. I mean, they have Tyler Hero coming off the bench, and he's great at shooting the three. They have Kelly Olynyk, who he yeah has, he, he's not Good having point. a stellar season, but I mean, he can stretch the floor. He, he can, can shoot hit some, that thing. He can, hit, he can shoot some threes. And then you're also going to have Iguodala who can shoot threes. You're going to have Kendrick Nunn who's not terrible from behind the arc. It's really a question of how are we going how are the Celtics going to react to that three point. Uh, barrage, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's going to be so many threes that are just hacked up by Miami and it's going to be kind of, it's going to be kind of worrisome to see how we're going to defend against it. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I don't, but I don't think these Miami threes are going to come as easy as they did against the Bucks. You know, the Bucks play a lot of that drop coverage type of system. They, they get their guards to fight over the top of screens and they're going to drop your big and force you into the mid range. And, you know, some of these Miami shooters coming off those screens and they're just kind of expecting no, no big guy to be within, you know, seven feet of them. And they're going to have that open look. And that's what kind of Milwaukee's defensive system was based on. I don't think you're going to have those same looks against the Boston Celtics. I think they're going to be willing to switch out, you know, uh, the three, the three guards like smart uh, Tatum, uh, Brown, Brown, like you, you come yeah. off the, you come off that pin down. We're not drop. We're not playing drop coverage. We're just, we're just going to switch that. We're just going to switch that and force you to play yeah. ISO. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot more um, pressure on those handoff situations. You know, those double drag screens where Duncan Robinson's coming out of the corner around two screens. Like they're just going to switch those actions like and force you to play ISO. So I think the Boston defense is going to present a bigger problem for Miami than uh, they saw against the Bucks. Absolutely. Uh, but overall, I think this is this is going to be a series, man. This is going to be a series. Yes, uh, for sure. Ab- absolutely. And then uh, on, on Boston's side, I expect a lot of that same drive and kick stuff. They're going to see some zone. We're going to see how they're going to choose to attack that. Uh, but I expect also a lot of Kemba Walker pick and rolls. I expect a lot of, a lot of hunting of guys like Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic and to try and see if they can really take advantage of those guys because I think they do have a decisive advantage on offense having two guys you can attack uh, in those uh, in, in those two players yeah. with multiple players like like Brown Tatum and Kemba can all go at those two players being Dragic and Robinson and I think have some success yeah and I'm and I'm really um, I'm expecting a lot of mid-range Jason Tatum shots uh, he's really improved that mid-range shot this season. Uh, as you can tell, he's got a lot more comfortable with that kind of fadeaway shot from the from the baseline. Just kind of playing in that mid-range kind of area is kind of what he's kind of worked on in the offseason. And now he's obviously bringing it to the bubble because I've seen Jason Tatum hit more fadeaways than any other player on the Celtics, and that's for sure. Um, and I think, obviously, Jay Crowder is a good def- defensively, and so is Bam. But I don't know how they're going to react specifically to some uh, mid-range Jason Tatum because he's going to get them in. He's going to isolate them, and he's going to try to attack them in the mid-range. And if not, he can hit them. He can hit them from behind the arc. Oh, absolutely! I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I'm expecting. Uh, uh, you know, I'm expecting all three of these guards. To, and let's. And that's the thing too is like, let's see what, what when Hayward comes back. What kind of dimension does Hayward add to this team? Is he yeah. going to have the ball in his hands and be the playmaker that we know him to be the best playmaker on this team? Maybe right up there kind of with Marcus Smart as one and two, uh, depending on what your preference is. But I think, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward is a fantastic playmaker. And, you know, putting the ball in his hands, is he going to run a lot of pick and rolls? And if, you know, he comes back in game two or three, well, that's just another dimension that you're going to have to yeah. deal with, you know, as uh, the Miami Heat. And that also maybe cuts some of the fat, in terms of some of those bench minutes that you may, might not want to see from the Celtics as well. Maybe it's, you know, less semi-ogile. Maybe Grant Williams get, minutes get cut. Maybe you see, uh, you know, just the big rotation of, um, uh, of Robert Williams and Daniel Tice. So we'll, we'll see how, you know, that kind of affects the minutes as well. A uh, lot, lot of factors in this series. Okay, give me your, give me your pick. What, what's, your, what's your official pick? I heard uh, maybe Boston in six or seven, but give me stand – on, stand on some ground here. Tell me what you got. I'm standing on Boston about six games. I don't think okay. Miami's going to push him to seven. I think with Gordon's return soon, I think he'll make an impact. Um, and so I think it's probably going to be Boston and definitely six. Um, but it's not going to be – like we like we said, it's not going to be any more any sooner than six. I don't see any kind of three, four ones. I don't see any kind of four. Me either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I'm also going to take Boston. I'm just going to take Boston in seven. Um, overall, my reasoning, I just don't, I, I think that Boston does have uh, a, a bit of an answer that Miami hasn't seen yet for their handoff actions, a lot of their pet actions uh, to get a lot of these threes up. I think being able to switch those handoff actions is going to bother the Miami Heat a lot. It's going to push them, a, excuse me, it's going to push them into a lot more isolation. And I don't think that the Miami Heat outside of maybe Drogic and Butler have the isolation creation ability to score efficiently enough to keep up with guys like Kemba Walker, uh, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, you know, even Marcus Smart, you know, he's going to have his game where he hits six or seven yeah. threes. You know how frustrating that is as a Raptors fan to watch yeah, five sure. threes go down in the fourth, in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah. That in game two. Yeah. And, that, I mean, I always tell my friends, I'm like, you know, I've been a Celtics fan for a long time when, when you can see Marcus Smart start hitting threes. Because when right. I first started watching basketball, he couldn't hit a three to save his life. And now oh. he's hitting six, seven a game. He's having really good – I mean, he's obviously 
another tenacious player right there alongside Jimmy Butler and Patrick Beverly and P.J. Tucker. Uh, he's, he's diving to make play, that dive earlier this season where he threw the ball off of Kawhi's legs. is mm-hmm. definitely one of the best plays this season. Uh, I think it. I think this game's. I think this series is gonna be really close, and that kind of shows in that game that they had earlier in the bubble. I think it was. I think the Celtics had two more, and the Heat had three more left in the bubble, and it was Miami, Boston, and they played a absolute great game. I think Miami only won by like three, maybe four, uh, but it was. It was. It came right down to the wire, quite honestly, and that's how I'm oh, expecting absolutely. the series to go. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm just gonna plug in my laptop here. Um, no, you're good. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think uh, when you get down to these uh, these types of series, I think eventually you uh, you rely on some iso- isolation ability. There's my lights. Isolation ability and uh, creation, and uh, I just think that Boston just has a little bit more of that with their uh, with their guards and Kemba Walker. And I think Jay, or, um, my goodness, I'm blanking already. Gordon Hayward coming back is only going to be able to help that. Uh, even though I don't think their bench is as deep. Uh, I think uh, riding their starters is going to be uh, enough to push them over the top of the Miami Heat. So I got I, I got Boston in seven, but like uh, like we said, I got a great series uh, going here as well. Yeah. All right, let's talk some uh, let's talk some Clippers Nuggets, man. This series is just ridiculous. Like, oh what is God. going like, on, man? I, I assume the series is over. Quite honestly, I, I thought so too. After three one, I said, man, you can't come back from three one twice, can you? I man. And they, especially I mean, they they, have, they've been down by 16 points in both games and they've come back and they and and in game six they they didn't just come back they stomped the hell right. out of the clippers like they didn't just yeah. like uh, like i don't even know how to describe that's not a comeback that's like a that's like a stomp back like you know what i mean yeah. they just took you and threw them out of the ring i don't even know what to say like this team has so much heart and like Nikola Jokic is is unstoppable like last series against the jazz that was the jamal murray series he was he 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 lived up to his nickname we have here for him for him here in Canada, and that's Maple Curry. We call him Maple Curry because because when he gets going like that from three, have you heard that before? Is that the first? No, time I haven't heard that? heard that before. We call him Maple Curry because when he gets going like that from three and he just starts shooting the hell out of the ball, man. Oh my God, he he's just he lethal. He is oh, lethal he, as hell. He was so good in that last series. Oh I mean, my he, goodness! And I mean, especially just. He was insane that last series. I mean, him and Donovan Mitchell really battled it out, but for sure, ultimately, like he was just insane against the Jazz. And now, like I'm sure, like you were getting onto, uh, Jokic is kind of like leading the pack for the for the Nuggets. And right. and I mean, is I don't believe Jamal Murray's back. Yeah, Jamal Murray's back. Yeah, yeah he's still playing. He's still he's but still that, playing, and he's having some I'm, solid games. But it's it's Jokic's series right now. It's he's oh, the one sure. picking up the slack for sure. Absolutely. And like, you know, you're getting like, you're getting some solid minutes from their role players too. Like, you know, Tory Craig is like, is providing some good minutes. Like Gary yeah. Harris defensively, like didn't this dude have like COVID-19 and then like miss like a bunch of time with like a hip injury yeah. and then like come back. And I was like playing like 42 minutes a night, like playing. Yeah, no, defense. he, he like, missed, he missed happened? a lot of time. No, he, he missed, he missed a lot of time from what I remember. And then he did have like a little hip uh, problem, like a bruise or something like that. And then Murray had, Murray had a bruise. Uh, Gary Harris had a bruise. They, Gary Harris had a bruise. They were both kind of like going through some injuries, and that's when shout out PJ Tucker, Gamecock alumni. That's when PJ PJ Dozier, sorry PJ Dozier, Gamecock alumni. He started getting a lot of minutes for this team, and this team is deep. Like I think they have a really good bench also, and I think a lot of people forget that. Um, but this series has been really just insane. I mean. Jamal Murray is absolutely through the roof, but Jokic is really willing this team back into existence against the Clippers, who we both know were pro- were what? They were the finals uh, favorites, correct? I mean, I had them in the Western Conference Finals losing to the Lakers in seven games. So, I mean, yeah, they, like, they were they were right up there. They easily could have been a finals participant. And let's be fair, they still could. Like, we still got game seven yeah. to play here. 150%, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, man, like, I just got to, like, touch on Nikola Jokic. Like, you know, normally we, we think about Jokic, and we think about Jokic as, like, this unbelievable passer, right? Like, this guy that's just, like, uh, basically you just throw it to him at the elbow and just keep cutting. Like he'll find you yeah. like sort of thing. Right. He's doing it as a scorer in this series. Like he, oh, he's, sure. he's, he's doing these real, like right off legged, like step backs from three uh, at the end and of the he's clock. Looking, he's looking so weird doing He's like oh, throwing yeah. it all off sideways. And it's, it's and an I awkward mean, shot. It's, it's, it's a, not a pretty looking shot. You don't teach no, that at the basketball all. academies, but <laughs> damn it. It goes in. 
Damn it, That's it right. goes in. And he's and you know, he's uh, you know, bullying dudes down there. And even defensively, like it like last series against the Jazz, like, you know, there was times like where that Nuggets defense was just was just unbelievably bad. Like 100%. astronomically bad. And like he's done like he's done like a full 180. Like you actually see him, you know, rotate and like be a big body in the lane and like, you know, make shots difficult at the rim. And I'm like, where has this Jokic been? Like, yeah. I haven't seen him play like the, like uh defense like this. Like everybody always, you know, looks at Jokic's body type and the way he moves. And they're like, this guy is like terrible defensively. I'm telling you, Jokic has been solid defensively yeah. in this series. And it's probably some of the best defense I've seen him play you know, in his career. And, you know, Paul Millsap is still, you know, a good off-ball defender. You know, guys like Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig provide length and the ability to move their feet. You know, For Gary sure. Harris yeah. has been their best perimeter defender. And all you need, you know, is passable offense from guys like, you know, Michael Porter Jr. He's showing even defensively he can stay on the floor now after being and, a little and, bit And need I say, need I say, Michael Porter Jr. has had quite a bubble. Hell you know yeah, what I'm he He's been very well in the bubble. Uh, I know he didn't play – he played – I don't think he played any in Missouri uh, in college, and he very was still little. I think like nine high. games, and then he got injured. I think he had the back okay. injury. So yeah, he, but he, very he little. He played very little, and then like he, I was very skeptical of the Nuggets picking him because I might be a Celtics fan, but I like I'll have teams that cheer for him there, and like I was very skeptical of them picking Michael Porter Jr. and he really showed out, and even I mean they've been given uh, Bull Bull a lot of minutes, uh, especially early in the bubble, um, but like the Nuggets, they have they have this really good bench and. I mean, God, Michael Porter Jr. is – shout out to that guy because he has been playing so incredibly good since the bubble started. He's been a consistent player. He's been shooting a lot of shots. He's definitely a future all-star, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, I, think I, I think most people would agree with you. And, yeah, he's definitely given them some solid minutes off the bench. He's definitely a crucial part, you know, of their rotation right now. Um, uh, but, man, it's just it's so many contributors. Like, even like – and. Uh, like Mason Plumley, like dude, I'm I haven't been the biggest Mason Plumley fan in my career, and I thought who is like, okay, <laughs> who, who is the big Mason Plumley fan? Right, like the, like Duke guy, like you know what I mean, like you know the whole the whole family comes from Duke. It seems like you think it'd be good, but like you know he's has he's had some moments, and like even in this series, like I thought Montrez Harrell was gonna like eat his lunch. Like that hasn't been the case. Like he's held no. up pretty well. Like again, yeah, he's made held some solid own. defensive plays, and like is is basically like kind of like uh like a very 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 poor man's Jokic in terms of being able to like being able to pass the ball and like you know he's got some rebounding skills he can push it a little bit he can dribble a little bit like you're not asking him to do that as like your primary creator or whatever but he's got that in his bag and like no, and he, he's been I mean he's been playing very well like I trust me I've, I've always disregarded him as a player I mean <laughs> I've always kind of been like oh Mason Plumley, what kind of difference is he gonna make but he's been really well uh, he's held his own against Harold who who is an absolute monster, by the way. Harold is a Harold's a beast. And I see him God, he's gonna be such a great starting power forward once he leaves LA. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, I mean, six man of the year for sure. But even in this series, he hasn't been that great. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's just, it, it's it, it's kind of an iffy with Harrell. It's, and, like, people are even talking about, like, are we taking the Harrell minutes, you know, completely out of the rotation and just going with Jermichael Green uh, at, as, as the backup center there and just going, you know, small and, you know, just instead of that, just have, uh, you know, uh, Lou, maybe Pat Bev, Lou Williams. Uh, and doesn't that sound strange to say? Doesn't that sound weird to say? Hey it man, does. let's just take let's just take out Harold and let's throw Jamichael Green. Like that's so weird to say. That, I mean, that's you how would have said this has been. two months ago, and I would be like, "What are you even talking about? You you, you must be watching baseball." You know right. what I'm saying? Right. But now we're. This is a serious question. Like, is it possible that we're going to have in Game Seven uh, a Zubac Jamichael Green center rotation? Like that is that is a very possible thing because he just hasn't been good enough in this series, uh, especially defensively. Like he just. Uh, he, he doesn't provide any resistance at the rim. He's not scoring enough to actually make a difference. Like he's not eating Plumlee's lunch. Like he should be on that second unit. Yeah. So, sure. and if, and if he's, if he's kind of starting to, you know, catch fire, you know, defensively and not really being able to hold his own out there, then are there minutes from here for him uh, in a game seven, like for this Clippers franchise and that has never been to a conference finals in its career. They traded the farm. They sold every pick that they had for the next seven years to get uh, Paul George. And in addition to that, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for like the next seven years worth of picks. And they have this year to do it. And they have next year. And then after that, it's player options for those two. And they can, they can both yeah. decide to leave if they want. It is game time for the Clippers. They need to win this series. You cannot afford to go 
home in the second round. That that is a dangerous proposition. That brings up the question, if the Clippers are the ones that move on to play the Lakers, Harold's got to Harold's got to show up because the Lakers are, does. The Lakers are not the Lakers are not the Nuggets. The Lakers, you know, what I'm saying they are here to play. They are here to fight as hard as they can. They have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. They're they're not going to be as easy to play as the Nuggets. And that's no nothing. No knock on the Nuggets. I think both the Clippers and the Nuggets can give the Lakers a run for their money. And I actually think one of them can maybe upset the Lakers. But at the same time, if Harold doesn't step it up, the Clippers really have to take a look. Just I'm not going to say in their future at Harold because that's that's a little too dramatic because you can have a rough series. But at the same time, like, you have to look at, like, hey, is this the guy who we want to give minutes against Anthony Davis? Is this the guy we want to give minutes against a real question. Uh, JaVel McGee? You know what I'm saying? Especially if he's not doing anything against Mason Plumlee. That's 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 what I'm talking about, right? So I mean, and you know, you know, may, like it's it's tough. Like maybe maybe he does see minutes out there. Like I'm not saying like they cut him out of the rotation, but it, it's like it's something you have to think about. Is all I'm saying. Like I'm not saying for sure. Like oh, we're not going to give Montrezl Harrell any more minutes. Like, but I'm just saying. Like you got to think about it. You got to think about yeah, it because some, some you know, to ponder on because yeah, I mean all that all that bad defense is having them score. Right. And like, you know, and, and, and kudos to Paul George, you know, he has made a comeback from after struggling, you know, through two, three and four games, two, three and four, that Maverick series where he admitted he was in a dark place. He had some depression being in the bubble, being away from his family. Couldn't necessarily, uh, you know, gum up like the motivation necessary to be an effective player, but now he's back. He's playing well. His shot is looking a lot better. He's looking a lot more like that Paul George that we know, you know, Kawhi Leonard is still having solid games. Uh, and I don't think they're just – they're not getting that much from everybody else. You know, Reggie Jackson's minutes have completely been excised out of the series. He's not even playing anymore. You know, Lou Williams – And that was good because when they yeah, first started agreed. playing him, I – he's not a terrible ball player, don't get me wrong, but he should not be starting against a good Los Angeles Clippers team in the second round of the in the playoffs. Right. That, I, I, don't, I don't, And he started a couple games, I believe. Uh, or he got, or he got a very lot. He got a good bit of minutes. Yeah, he he definitely he definitely came off the bench for some minutes. I think him and uh, him and Lou Williams were actually playing together in the backcourt for a little bit, and that is just too flammable defensively. Like that is just. No. You're just asking for for bad things to happen. You there. can score. You can score on the one and two all day long. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, Lou Williams. Obviously, he is the better player in terms of between him and Reggie Jackson. He's got to be out there to lead as your lead guard on that second unit. Um, you know, Marcus Morris. You know, has given you know a little bit, but you know, not necessarily enough. We talked about Harrell. You know, Zubac has definitely been good at the center spot, but you're not relying him on. The, relying on him for scoring uh Patrick Beverly fouled out in 18 minutes the other night uh like that that can't happen you can't have six fouls in 18 minutes as you know the primary guy uh or one of the primary guys that's supposed to be uh you know checking Jamal Murray so that's a problem and I think honestly like if we're if we're talking about what comes down to this this game seven like this is this is time for Kawhi Leonard to just say I am the best player in this series and I need to play like it. Like he need, yeah. like if if if, the, if his team is not going to step up or anything, he needs to have you know a game seven on the level of that game seven he had in 2019 against the Sixers. Like that 41 point game where he's got to be the guy. Nobody else wants to shoot the ball. Give it to Kawhi Leonard and get out of the way. This he is has a, got to take over. He's got to hit a hot streak. He's he's got to have that 2K takeover. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He's got to absolutely carry this team because I don't see playoff P doing it. I'm, I'm glad that he's gotten out of this dark spot uh, that he, that he was in, but at the same time, Paul George has been notoriously not clutch. Yes, you know what I'm agreed. saying? And at the it's same true. time, you Kawhi Leonard has got to just the, the hardest carry of his life. But I mean, I can say the same thing for Jokic. Jokic. I mean, Michael yeah, Porter Jr. is playing good. Jamal Murray's playing good. Gary Harris is playing good. And they're all seeing great minutes. They're starting, but at the same time, Jokic is leading this team offensively and defensively. He's willing them. He's scoring. He's passing. He's just—he's absolutely insane. And it's going to be a Jokic versus Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I'll—I'll I'll push back with you on you just a little bit because you know Denver at this point is playing with house money. Like they shouldn't even be here. They shouldn't even—they shouldn't have even been in the last series. And they're and they're here. You know what I mean? Like even on that, even in that game seven against the Jazz, like where. Who was it? Was it was it Tory? I, I keep I keep forgetting. Was it was Tory it Tory Craig? Craig that missed the layup? Okay, I keep I keep uh, mixing up. Uh, you know, Tory, Tory Craig. And and, yeah, <laughs> I keep mixing up Tory Craig and Jeremy Grant all the time. They're very similar oh, players. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he missed the layup at the rim, 
and then they, they come down the other way and Mike Connolly hits the three and it like rims out. Like it was so close to down and out. Like that's how close it was from Denver to be going home. Yeah. And now they went down three, one again. They've been down, you know, 16 now, points. Do you, do you see the clip? Do you see the Clippers taking this game? Yes, I do. I do see the Clippers taking okay. this game. I have, I have faith in Kawhi Leonard, you know, as you, you know, a top three player in the league. Some people have him at number one. I still personally think it's LeBron James, but you know, that's an argument yeah, for another sure. day. Um, but, you know, Denver's playing with house money, and that's dangerous. That's dangerous when you, have, when you don't have pressure on you, when you can just go home and, and nobody expects anything less of you, that they're proud that you're even being there. Like, those types of teams, those are scary teams because yeah. those, those guys don't come out nervous. They just come out like, we, we're not even supposed to be here. Like, let's just go out and get this W sort of thing. Where yeah. the Clippers are like, we need we're to be like in the finals. Like we, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we, we need to, we need to win this game. Like and, it's and just my two different mentalities. My prediction, I'm unfortunately going to have to disagree with you. I think the Nuggets are going to keep carrying that love, love over it. into the Western Conference Finals, man. I like, love it. Jokic love has it. been off. Jokic has been going off. Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, Jamal Murray. Their bench is incredibly deep. Everybody is just rot- – they're rotating on all cylinders. You know what I'm saying? They're all – they're playing really well. Sorry, can you hear me? I'm yeah, back. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, about so I got a phone so call. No, but they're, they're, they're playing really well. They're rotating on every cylinder. You got Paul Millsap who's still playing really good. Uh, you have Mason Plumley, who is, like you said, just showing out out of nowhere, by the way. And, like, it's just it's just very, very shocking. Uh, but I, I just see the Nuggets just somehow willing themselves to a lucky victory, making it this far. I mean, I, I they were one of my picks for the Western Conference Finals earlier this season. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I've so been telling like my it. friends, uh, I just think their bench is good. Their coach is amazing. Um, I just think I can just see them somehow pulling off this upset and – I don't know if Paul George is going to show up. That's always the question. You don't know if – you don't. Lou Williams is obviously a, uh, a weak, weak defensively. You also have Patrick Beverly, who can always foul out, who's not great offensively. Marcus Morris has been not worth the money that they're paying him. Let's not lie, especially since they signed him right before the bubble. Like, it's – there's just a, too many questions for the Clippers for me. Fair. I, 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 I like that you're picking the upset, man. I do like, I like the disagreement on here. Um, I'm just basically going Clippers because I just have too much faith in Kawhi Leonard. I just think he's that good. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen what he does in clutch games. I've seen what he does in clutch moments. I see what I've seen what he does when, uh, when it, when it's time. Um, and uh, you know, as a Raptor fan, it, it's hard for me to bet against the dude. Like yeah. he's just, he's just that damn good. So I'm, I'm basically betting on Kawhi Leonard uh, above Nikola Jokic. Uh, and the and the Denver Nuggets, but I'm also not discounting that that point that I made about the Denver Nuggets are playing with house money, and it, all the pressure is on the LA Clippers to get this W. And sometimes that, yeah, that sure. sometimes that's a that's a difference maker in the in these types of series. So that's uh, that's basically where I stand. And now moving on, kind of like to the Western Conference Finals, because I know you do all the transitions, but I got you on this one. All right, so who, all right. Who, like who, who, who do you think is going to win this this? Uh, let's just say hypothetically, the Clippers beat the Lakers. Okay. How do you see that series playing out? Because I can see it going down to the wire, or I can see just the Lakers bench just being so lackluster. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, LeBron James is the greatest player in basketball. Definitely not the greatest of all time. That's a talk for another time, though. You have Anthony Davis, who's amazing. Uh, you have Dwight Howard, who really has made a comeback season. Uh, but at the same time, you I mean, the Clippers are the Clippers. You know, they have this – they have playoff Paul George – who is making kind of a comeback this series, uh, this, this, this postseason, I should say. Mm-hmm. You have Kawhi Leonard, who's amazing, definitely up there in the top two or three players in the NBA, maybe with Luka Doncic, you know, knocking on the door at three. Uh, but you have, you have – there's so many factors in this series. So what, what, do, you th- what do you see going on? Okay, well, I, I, I'm going I'm to make this easy for you. I think that the Lakers are going to be either the Clippers or the Nuggets, no matter who makes it. So I, I've, got them, I've, I've got them both – I've got them winning either series. Um, I, with the with the tougher matchup obviously being the Clippers, uh, so let's let's talk about them first, and I'll talk about the Nuggets in a second. So you know this is going to be a bloodbath. Like I like if this series does happen, Clippers Lakers, it's going to this is the most anticipated series of the entire season, even before coronavirus was yeah. going down. Every LA LA, this is what all the Instagram pages have been posting. This is what everybody's been looking forward to. This is what everybody's been betting on. Yeah. If the which which speaks to the Nuggets because if they can somehow make that not happen. Woo. Oh my God! Some people are going to be mad. That's right. There are so many people that probably bet on the the Clippers to win the chip this year. And if I mean, if the Nuggets can upset this LA LA matchup, there is so much money that can be lost because the yeah. NBA can advertise, you know, LA versus LA, the Clippers, know, yeah. the Lakers, Kawhi versus LeBron. 
But I mean, the NBA. Don't get we'll me wrong. Watch the, the refereeing in Game Seven. We'll watch the refs in Game Seven. Oh, of that. everything. Every Jokic's gonna put his hand up. They're gonna go tweet. Offensive foul. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're gonna call everything on you. I'm I'm thinking they're gonna call everything on Jokic and the Nuggets. I, I want to see if Scott Foster and his crew is gonna ref that Game Seven like he's done for a three of them now because he's did the, he did the Thunder okay or the uh, the Thunder Rockets. He did uh, he did Raptors Celtics and uh, why do I have a feeling he's gonna be the crew that does uh, this game seven for Nuggets. Oh, so that's going to be good. Um, but yeah, so um, in terms of uh, Nuggets, uh, or sorry, uh, Clippers, Lakers, you know, uh, this is going, again, that's going to be a close ass series. Like I'm, I'm picking the Lakers, but like not with Uber confidence. Like I'm not picking them like, Oh my God, like Lakers. And there's no doubt. Like I, I have Lakers in seven. I did a bracket before I started. Yeah. I got Lakers in seven. Um, I, um, I got faith in LeBron James, obviously. And yes, I understand that they've got Kawhi and Paul George to guard LeBron James. I understand that, uh, you know, but he, he, here's what I don't understand. Let, let me tell you what I don't understand. Okay. Um, the Lakers have, you know, when they, when they have their shooting going, like, I think it's a little bit underrated how good of an offensive team this team is when the shooting is going, when Danny Green is knocking down, when KCP is hitting, when Kuzma's hitting, when Markeith Morris, who just hits four threes in a first quarter, you know, is hitting, when when you don't even guard Rondo and somehow he just put three on your head because, like, he's a little bit of a better spot-up shooter than you might think. Uh, you well, know, they used to be in Boston for sure. Yeah, there you go. Right. Like he never used to be a shooter, but now you just, you can't leave him open like that. Like he's just, he's, he's just not that bad a shooter anymore. And then, you know, when you got, when you get a guy like, you know, J.R. Smith who comes in for a few minutes and he hangs a couple on your head, like, you know, what, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that can knock down some triples. Yeah, and it could get da- and it and it could get dangerous. It could get dangerous. I like the way that LeBron James is playing defense. Uh, the way that the Lakers defense is has been fantastic all season, and then again in this bubble, you saw what they did to the Houston Rockets, who you know try to get up as many threes as possible. But hey, they beat them at their own game. They were able to play, you know, Markeith Morris at center and really stifle that defense by beating the Rockets at exactly what they're best at yep. doing. So I love the, I love the Lakers versatility defensively. I think that if you're going to pick the Clippers, you're, you're basically betting on the ability of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to guard LeBron James. Hey, that's fine. I, I would counter, I would counter by saying LeBron James is also one of the best game managers in the NBA, yeah. one of the best passers in the NBA. And he understands how to get his team galvanized for a series like this, uh, like a high quality series like this. Uh, and now, you know, now Anthony, just to, just to play ahead. a little devil's advocate with your point, Beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong. J.R. Smith can hit threes. Kuzma's going to hit threes. Um, Danny Green, I mean, he's a veteran three-point shooter. Um, you have so many great three-point shooters on this team, but at the same time, Danny Green has been hilariously bad in this playoffs, like from the three. <laughs> and like I've seen, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've just been scrolling on TikTok I've and everybody's making jokes about his bricks. Like Danny Green's been it. awful. I don't think the Lakers pick up of J.R. Smith was smart. I didn't think it was from the first place. I think they should have got Jamal Crawford. He, I think he has better ball handling. He can create better. He's a better playmaker than J.R. Smith. He's a little more efficient. That's just my thoughts on it. But they got J.R. Smith. I see him being a little shaky. Uh, but you really gonna? I'm really looking for Kuzma to be like the difference for the Lakers team. He can shoot sure. the three. He can shoot the mid range. You because re- he's coming off the bench right now, correct? Yeah, so the starting lineup right now, uh, even Rondo's coming off the bench. They've got Danny Green, KCP. They've got LeBron as the functional point guard, essentially. Um, and then at the four, I think they're running with um, – actually, you know what? They'll start with Davis and then JaVale McGee at center. And then eventually those JaVale McGee minutes will start to dwindle down uh, as the series go on, in my opinion. And you'll yeah. see a lot more Davis or Markeith Morris at center. That's that's probably – I mean, or Howard. I mean, or, or, or you can see Dwight He doesn't see many minutes in the series, but maybe maybe that's, a, Which maybe is, that's, that's an option to go to. because I thought he had a really good season this season. Oh, uh, against the I Rockets, thought... I mean. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead. He didn't yeah, have many I'm... minutes against the Rockets, yeah. That, that's surprising. I mean, I don't know why they haven't been playing him as much, and I didn't notice that. Um, but maybe you attack Zubak. Maybe you attack the Harold. Maybe you attack them with Dwight Howard, and if whatever you can. And if you have Mason Plumlee and Jokic, then Jokic, then you don't start Dwight Howard because Dwight Howard's not going to score on them as easily. Um, but Dwight Howard could be something in this series, and I'm just surprised that he got let, he didn't get a lot of minutes against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, if any, like I'm not, I'm not even sure he played a minute to be honest. Like I'm, I, I'm wow. just, yeah, like I think it was, I think it was that much, uh, you know, for you know the Lakers in terms of the way they went away, 
the way the way they went away from him. But um, yeah, it's possible he could have uh, a role in that series. Um, I, I, you know, I, it, it comes down to basically I, ju- I just trust uh, that there's basically no there's no matchup for Anthony Davis. We didn't touch on that yet, but um, you know, I, I you know Paul Paul George and Kawhi Leonard like you know he's just just a little too big for them. You know what I mean? Especially if you can get the if you if you can catch that ball, you know, 15 to 10 feet on the block, like you know, as good as defenders as those guys are, that's that's a lot tougher yeah. as a matchup. Uh, for them to defend now if he's catching it you know uh, 17 to 20 feet out on the perimeter okay now we're talking yeah. about a different matchup where they but can what if, what if he's catching it against what if he's catching it against Jokic? yeah well that's if, <laughs> if the nuggets can somehow pull this upset off which i'm god i'm hoping so badly for i mean that's gonna don't get me wrong anthony davis is definitely gonna be one of the better the best players on the court but at the same time Jokic and Mason Plumlee can can kind of disrupt his game a little bit. Yeah, well, well, uh, and I guess let's transition to that. Let's like it's assume the Nuggets win uh, this game seven. What does that look like uh, in terms of uh, playing the Lakers? Now, uh, I think it's a little bit of a less dangerous matchup um, for the for the Lakers, in my opinion, because I think um, I don't I don't think that Jokic has any seen anything like the likes of Anthony Davis in this series at all. Yep, and I'm even going to yeah. put Gobert in there. I'm even going to include Gobert in that in that sentiment because Gobert uh you know Gobert doesn't necessarily um you know move his feet as uh, as well uh on on the perimeter I think Anthony Davis has the ability to shot block inside I think Anthony Davis's length uh and ability to get up just a little bit higher with a little bit more athleticism is going to bother Jokic I also think that um Anthony Davis is a much um uh I don't want to say much better help defender than uh, than Rudy Gobert because I think that that's untrue. Rudy Gobert is probably a better help defender than Anthony yeah. Davis, but close to it, close to yeah, as, good sure. a, as good as good a help defender. And I think Anthony Davis just a little bit more mobile on the perimeter uh, that I think is going to help him because let's face it, that's where Jokic catches a lot of those uh, of those passes, right on the elbow at the top of the key from twenty feet, and you can't just you can't just uh, you know dribble by him because uh, he has the ability to then. You know, those handoff actions with Murray, he'll just switch on to Murray and he can be able to guard him one-on-one. So I think a lot of that, you know, Jokic action gets taken away by the fact that Anthony Davis is able to guard him and the guards that are coming off those screens, whether that's a Michael Porter Jr. who's shown some great chemistry uh, with Jokic in terms of cutting off ball and getting those handoffs. You know, whether it's a Gary Harris or, you know, let's face it, nobody nobody is scaring Anthony Davis one-on-one other than Jamal Murray. And I think that Davis has the ability to stay in front of Jamal Murray. So just based on no, your game. You're completely right on that. Yeah. And yeah. to your point, um, if, if the Nuggets can somehow make it against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, uh, Anthony Davis will kind of be like that deciding factor. And for sure. but my thing for the Nuggets, the deciding factor isn't as much Jokic as in they're going to have to really lean on their guard play. They're going to have to re- lean on that yeah. tandem, that, that, that two piece of, uh, of Murray and Harris. Cause as you know, Murray was, as we already talked about, Murray was insane against the Jazz. And Gary Harris is nothing to sneak cough at either. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so I think the, the lackluster guard play from the Lakers, whether you're running LeBron at the point or, or, or not, uh, I think the guard play for the Lakers is going to struggle against that Nuggets offense. Uh, I think Gary Harris is really good. I think P.J. Dozier is really good when he gets minutes. I think um, – What's his name? I think Jamal Murray is insane on offense. And I think that's kind of where they're going to have to take advantage of him. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, going the other way, I, I also think uh, to your credit that I think that the Denver Nuggets do have guys they can throw at LeBron James. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, Paul Millsap who could see some minutes on him. Jeremy Grant could yeah. see some minutes. Uh, Torrey Craig could see some minutes. Even, um, even a guy like Gary Harris could see some minutes. So you can throw different looks at LeBron James. Uh, if you're the Nuggets, that is uh, definitely a plus, but I don't see a guy on the Nuggets that's guarding Anthony Davis. I don't. I, I don't see anybody. Well, I don't see what about him. some? What about maybe if you had Jokic and and both Jokic and uh, what's and Plumlee? Jokic and Plumlee or Jokic oh. and um and oh. that know, sounds like barbecue name? chicken um, to me, Josh. I ain't gonna lie, bro. That sounds like barbecue what, chicken. Hold to on. Me. What if you what if you threw Millsap and Jokic in there and and yeah you get a little help defense here and there between the two of them and you can run Millsap at the four and Jokic at the five. And don't get okay. me wrong, I still I still think I still think Jokic is still I mean, still not gonna be able to guard A D as much as he'd like to, but maybe that help could that help defense would be able to help him out a little bit more. 
Yep, for sure. But then that, that's, that, that's the thing is if you have to bring help with Anthony Davis, that's when, that's when it gets dangerous. That's when shooters become open. That's when, you know, driving kick opportunities happen. That's when that, that if you're going to give, you know, you're saying Danny Green is struggling. You're saying, uh, you know, J.R. Smith maybe can't make shots. And he, I'm not even sure he sees any minutes in this series. Like, I don't even know why yeah. I mentioned his name. So <laughs> apologies for that. No, I'm not even kidding. I don't even. Uh, but I KCP, I mean, he's, he's yeah. gotten a couple looks this season. Yeah. I don't trust KCP offensively. Well, Nothing yeah, against for sure. him. I think, I think the Lakers definitely could have picked up a much better player than KCP, especially to run beside LeBron and AD and Kuzma. Uh, but, like, Kuzma could very well play. I mean, he could definitely sit at three. And, I mean, AD could just – I mean, every time that he, there's there's defense and there's help defense on AD, he could just kick out to Kuzma. And Kuzma could shoot a mid-range or a three-point shot. And that, and that's the problem, right, is, like, is if you're going to – if if you're going to try to sell me on the idea that the, some of these uh, these dudes are struggling in terms of uh, Laker shooters, well, what better way to get them going than to try to help off them and get them going, uh, you know, with wide-open shots uh, – because they have to help off of them onto Anthony Davis is going to make the pass in the corner. And, you know, you're going to have to bring help on LeBron James too. If, if you think you're just going to single cover LeBron James with Torrey Craig or Paul Millsap, yeah, I, I got news for you. That's, that, that's not yeah, going to work. Not work. So either, either way, either way you look at it, there's going to have to be help that's going to be brought um, from the, from the nuggets to guard one of those two guys. And that's going to open up some of those, some of those shooters like the KCPs, the Danny greens, et cetera, the Kuzma's, that uh, the Marquis Morris is that, that are going to be able to, I think, knock down enough shots uh, to where it's going to be, it's going to become pick your poison for the Nuggets. So that that's, that's basically why I think um, that the, uh, the Clippers are probably going to have a bit of a better matchup uh, than the Nuggets, because I don't think, uh, I, I think that you live with Anthony Davis going at Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, or even Avicii Zubac down there with his big body. I think that you live with those two guys going one-on-one -on -one and, you know, pray for the best. I don't think you can live with, uh, you know, some of the uh, the Denver defenders going one-on-one -on -one yeah. without bringing help. Yeah, and that, and once you bring help, you're right. That is a lot of – that's a lot of open threes. And if the Lakers are hitting, they're hitting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If Danny Green can start hitting shots, if, if KCP starts catching some fire, if Moore starts hitting shots – not Moore, sorry – if uh, Kuzma starts hitting shots, like that's that's a deadly lineup, and and I can see the Clippers and and the Nuggets playing very well against the Lakers. Uh, just predictions wise, to be completely honest with you, I definitely think the the Lakers could could fall to the Clippers in seven if they could get if playoff sure. P could really if he could come out strong uh, and not struggle in the beginning. If if everything goes everything would have to go right for the Clippers. Is my is my is my perspective. I mean, I could definitely see the Clippers beating the Lakers. Absolutely, no, I, I like if if you told me yeah. the Clippers beat the Lakers, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Um, that I, I mean, I had the series going seven games for a reason, and anything can happen in a game seven. Um, yeah. But you know, and it, I think, just and I think if you throw the, I think if you throw the Nuggets at, at the Lakers, I think the Lakers win that matchup. Unfortunately, okay. I, I was gonna as, say, much as, as much as I would like to be like, oh, I think it's the Nuggets, like. I would love for the Nuggets to push that. You know what I'm saying? I'd love for them to surprise some people. Sure. Uh, but but I would like to bet on them playing with uh, house money, quite honestly. But yeah. unfortunately, they don't have a whole lot of answers. Jokic is great, and their guards, their two, their two tandem, the tandem bike of Harris and Murray is, are phenomenal. But at the same time, like, it's LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. It's a really good Kyle Kuzma. There's, a, there's just a lot of questions for that team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so basically, if I had to, uh, if I had to pick, I'm taking uh, Lakers in seven against the Clippers, and I'm taking Lakers in six against the Nuggets. I am gonna, I'm gonna put some respect on the Nuggets. I think they can get two games yeah, from sure. uh, uh, from the Lakers. So that that's my prediction. Um, and my prediction, final prediction, is I think the Clippers are gonna beat the Lakers seven uh, in seven games, and I think, I think the Lakers are gonna beat the uh, Nuggets in seven, just because oh, okay. I think even if they go down three one. At this point, it's so hard. To <laughs> that's, crazy I mean, that, this, that's crazy that that we've gone to that point, it. right? Like three one is not a death sentence for the Nuggets. Like even if they go down three one, like they're gonna come back. That's wild. I thought, I thought three one was a death sentence against Kawhi Leonard. You know what I'm saying? I True. thought three one was. This is it's just insane to me what they've done this postseason. And unfortunately, I cannot just I can't I can't discount them. I don't. If they were to win this Lakers series. I would have to – you'd have to feature me on the podcast. I would – you'd have to feature me on the podcast, and we'd throw a party. We'd do something crazy. Oh, yeah, but, like, <laughs> we would We would have a blast. But, like, I don't know. Like, the Nuggets – I see the Nuggets pushing them just because they are playing with house money. They are 
seeming to be lucky. Jamal Murray is going off. Uh, Jokic is great. Michael Porter Jr. is coming up in big moments. I can see them pushing them to seven. I don't that's, – that's a positive seven. That's like a, oh, I hope so. But at the same time, like, I don't see them beating the Lakers. Yeah, me either. I agree. All right, man. Uh, you've been real generous with your time here. I'm going to leave it to you. Is there anything else that's, uh, that, you, that you wanted to talk about? Any other, uh, any other topics that are on your mind? And if, so, and if not, so we'll wrap it up, man. I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, just as kind of like a last thing, I don't know if you watch the Canadian Elite Basketball League, but shout out to Dwayne. A little bit. Uh, no, Dwayne Notice. He plays for the Hamilton Honey yeah, Badgers. He's, he's, he's a Gamecock alumni. He played really good before his injury. He's still recovering. Uh, we'll make sure to tag you, Dwayne. Got you, buddy. Uh, but that way, like, I don't know. I would just – he's playing really well. Uh, I love watching Canadian basketball. I do watch the CEBL as much as I can whenever I can find it online illegally. <laughs> but, no, yeah, shout-out to Dwayne Notice. He's a Gamecock alumni. There's a lot of them out there. You'd be surprised. Hey, man, uh, CEBL, I, I watch some of it too when it comes on my TV. Uh, I'm a Ryerson University graduate, so some of the guys uh, from that university program are playing in there. We got a JV Mukama, who I believe is playing in there. Uh, he, he was like a, an athletic – I think he actually might have gone to Europe by now. Some of these guys have gone to Europe uh, by this point. But um, – uh, who else? Miles Charvis is playing in there. He was a, a, a Ryerson University alum. Um, I, uh, Emmanuel Duressa, is he playing in there? I'm not even sure. But, you know, Aaron, Aaron Best was playing for the Raptors 905. Uh, we had um, uh, Jamal Jones, who went over to Europe. Like, we, we have a, we've had a lot of guys out of our, yeah. our local Ryerson program. And the, uh, the coach there uh, at the Ryerson program was Roy Rana, who's now the assistant coach there for the Sacramento Kings. So we've had a We've had a lot of good success here up here in Canada basketball in terms of, uh, you know, developing some, some good talent and uh, some good coaches as well. Uh, yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's, it's really great to see. And, you know, Dwayne Notice, I'm pretty sure, was a, an ex-Raptor 905-er, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, yeah he, uh, he, he bounced from the 905 to – he went to the Honey Badgers and then he went back to the 905, as far as I believe. And then now he's back on the Honey Badgers because the G League decided not to finish their, league, uh, their that's right. season. That's right. And that's as far as I know. And – I know, I know, listen, Canada's a big place, so I don't know if you've heard anything, but A.J. Lawson is kind of showing out for the Gamecocks. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, as familiar with A.J. Lawson. What? He's Canadian, man. You got to know every Canadian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we got some guys, we, we got some guys on the come up uh, that are, that, that'll be in the league soon. A guy that I'm watching, uh, uh, I believe he's uh, in Gonzaga now, uh, is Andrew Nembard. Uh, who was out of Florida, was in the Florida Gators. He's a 6'5 point guard, pass first point guard. I really like his game. Uh, I, I believe that he can be a, a real uh, NBA point guard, uh, NBA level point guard. So I'm, I'm watching him as well. We've got uh, Elijah Fisher coming up in the ranks too and a couple other good Canadian kids uh, as well. So there, there's no shortage of Canadian talent. I believe uh, outside of the U.S. they're tied for the second most uh, in terms of international players outside of the United States. So uh, between them and France, I think they're, uh, they're tied for second. So no shortage of Canadian talent uh, on the come up. And that doesn't seem to be one. Uh, that doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be keeping out, but AJ Lawson. Okay. I will, I will keep that name in mind. That's not one that's uh, that jumps out at me, but uh, yeah, I got funny. you. That's right. I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated. Every time something happens, I'll send you some stuff. I appreciate it. Send me, send me the footage, man. I want to see it. All right, Josh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. Much appreciated. We'll definitely have to do this again. Uh, tell people where, the, where they can find your work uh, when you get back up and running or if you're back up and running right now. Um, so I currently write for Show Snob where I do TV shows, and I still write for The Garnet and Cocky, which covers Gamecocks Athletics. You can find me on either one of those uh, websites. I start for the Swarmers thing, the Charlotte Hornets website, I think next week, if not the following week. Congratulations on that, dude. Week. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I actually got that email like two hours ago, and I was like, "Oh, great!" Ah, ah. I was, yeah, no, I'm really excited. I'm, I might even be able to hit up some press conferences. Um, That's sorry, fantastic. Might, might, might even be able to hit some press conferences, some games in person. Uh, hopefully next season, and you know, Hornets could pick up Lamelo Ball. I doubt it. Oh no, no, oh no! Here we go, here we go. All right, now we got to save that for another pod. All right, Josh, appreciate you coming on, man. We'll have to do this again. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you, bro. Take it easy, man. Yeah.